Why, I just want to apologize up front. I saved my longest message for tonight. <laughs> oh, I know how to terrify people, don't I? <clears throat> what a blessing this has been. I, uh, I'm an old man, so old men have to say a few things before they actually preach. <clears throat> it's just been a joy. Uh, I met the Irvins and the Gilberts. I guess that was in at Calvary Baptist in uh, Fort Walton Beach, maybe a little over a year ago, about a year ago, and just was so impressed with both of them. I just figured, boy, God's going to really do something, get them to the field. And it's fun. One of the blessings of longevity is you get to see people develop. And, and uh, I, I thought both of them did a great job, but they were all fairly new, but they did a great job. Boy, has God seasoned them and matured both of these young couples and readied them for the ministry. And then I, I didn't know Brother Scott Deku, but um, I know his father and have met his father a number of times. And uh, it's been a joy to be able to be with him. I was with him at his home church in a men's meeting, and uh, that was very enjoyable. I'm looking forward, if coronavirus allows us to, uh, I don't anticipate it not, but we're going to Fiji in May, my wife and I, and, and speak there. And then it's been a pleasure to meet the Wrightsels who have decided to leave church tonight. Now, I guess they're teaching kids somewhere. Uh, I've got some things to say about them a little bit later. Pastor, just thank you for being a part of this. He, uh, you know, he has killed me. Now, let me tell you how he's killed me. I don't know that I've ever been in a more enjoyable conference. And then he says, you can't go tell anybody. <laughs> How was the conference in Ocala? <laughs> don't ask. Oh, was that bad? Don't ask. <laughs> it's been a, you put people in a hard place there, I'm telling you. Uh, but it has been an absolute delight to be here, and we'll have a little bit more to say about that. But I don't know that I've ever been in a church, and I say this honestly, that has enjoyed their missions conference more than you folks have. And what that does is it allows us to enjoy being with you as you're enjoying this missions conference. I hope you never change that. I, I hope you just Continue to love what God does in this week and through you uh, in this. I really will not preach my longest message tonight, but I'd invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And here's what I want to do. We're going to walk through the entire New Testament. Yeah, so <laughs> now you don't know, is it going to be his longest message? No. I want to look at five places that the Lord gives us the Great Commission, and I will just uh, say a few things in each place, but here's what we want to talk about. God's promises to those who will go. You know, God is good about making promises to us. And my favorite, one of my favorite verses is, who, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. And uh, I put it into work and found out God kept His promise, and He saved me when I call upon His name to save me. God makes promises about our giving. He promises to make us able to give as uh, we give. He, he promises to give back to us 
uh, with a when we sow uh, bountifully, He promises to give back to us bountifully. And so it shouldn't surprise us that when we are obedient in going, and I'll explain going in just a moment, that God has promises that are associated with us being obedient in going. Now, I want you to understand something tonight, and, and it was stated, I forget who, what missionary did, but, but it was stated this, this way. We are here in a missions conference, and we're excited about these couples that are going to the mission field. And we're excited about our responsibility to give and to pray to enable them to go. But please understand that every one of us in this room are charged as well to go. The gospel is not just for Uganda or not just for Spain or for Fiji or Greenland or Brazil. The gospel is for Ocala. As a matter of fact, the gospel is for your street. It's for your family. It's for those folks that you work with. It's for those folks that you uh, see at the store and and take care of you at the store. It's it's for everybody. And, And we certainly cannot be in every place, but we certainly can be diligent in sharing the gospel with where we are. So God has promises for these missionaries. But as we talk about them, also understand that God will bless us in the same way when we're willing to go to our neighbor, when we're willing to go to our office mate or the person that we uh, see at the grocery store. God has promises to those who will go and sow the seed in his name. Notice one with me in Matthew chapter 28. There in verse 19... It says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And here's the promise. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God promises that He will be present with those who go in His name to share the Word of God, to be a witness of the Word of God to those who are lost. You say, well, preacher, what's the big deal about that? We all know God seals us, God's Holy Spirit is within us, that God is present with us. Well, let let me take you back to some verses that we don't often include in our reading here. Go to verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That word doubted is an important word. And, And what it means is, it doesn't mean that they doubted whether this was Jesus or that he rose from the dead. It was the sense they doubted what they could do after he left. They knew they were being assembled in this place because Jesus has told them that he is leaving. And you've got to understand that for three years they have been traveling with him. They have had almost daily fellowship with him. They have asked him a question and he has answered the question. And every time there was danger, he 
would remove the danger, give them faith to make it through the danger. I mean, we do remember that he was asleep in the hinder part of the ship and they thought life was over. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he calmed the, you know, the, the, the wind and he calmed the seas. And so they have become very accustomed to Jesus being with them. And, and they want to minister, but they want to minister in his sight. They want to minister, but they want to minister as assistance to his presence with them. They want to be helpers of Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. And now they're going to be left to minister by themselves. Missionaries, you will never understand the depth of this promise until you are alone on a mission field somewhere. And that incredible force of loneliness lodges in your heart. And you just wonder if anybody knows you're there. If anybody even cares that you're there. That understands what you're trying to do and what you're trying to give your life to. And in those minutes, I want you to remember something. It it will be so precious in that moment. It may be hard to picture right now, but it will be so precious when you feel like you are all alone that the Lord Jesus will speak into your life and into your heart that He is present with you. That you are never forgotten. That you're never forsaken. That at all times, He is with you. I can remember a number of times when I started the church. At first, everybody was excited about starting the church. And people would come and they would help us go door knocking. And my parents came and stayed for weeks at a time, and they would watch the children, and Nancy and I would go soul winning. But, but at some point, life gets back to normal for everybody. And the people don't come anymore, and your parents have to do whatever they do, and your wife has to watch the children. And so many times, you would find yourself out there knocking on doors and, and trying to do the best you could because you're by yourself uh, presenting the gospel and being sensitive to those things. And, and I don't know about you, but, but door knocking can sometimes be a frustrating thing. And you can go and go and go and go and go and, and not seem to have fruit. And man, you're trying to build a church and you're trying to figure out how to do all this. And sometimes I can remember just thinking to myself, I wonder if anybody knows I'm on Forestdale Avenue at three o'clock in the afternoon and people are not wanting to talk to me, and I'm so sweating and hot that the tracks, I wouldn't even take them from me. And I'm not trying to be silly, but I'm telling you in those moments, the Lord has a way of speaking to you. He says, I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're doing. I know you were rejected at that last door because I stood at that door with you. And I'll take the next steps with you and I'll go to the next door with you. I am present with you. Hey, turn with me quickly over to Mark chapter 16. I hate that word quickly, don't you? That should not be in a preacher's vocabulary. Mark 16. But I do love this. Look at verse 15. 
And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hey, that's part of the Great Commission. Now let me explain what I'm, what I'm going to say. If we're not careful, we get afraid of this passage. And it is an unusual passage. It's an unusual presentation of the Great Commission. But we learn a lot of things in it. Number one, we, we learn that those who say you have to be baptized to be saved are crazy. It's not biblical. Because it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not, doesn't say anything about baptism, shall be damned. So salvation is by faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through His grace. But then it goes on and it talks about things that are strange to us. Taking up serpents, drinking deadly things, it shall not hurt them. Hey, the Apostle Paul survived shipwreck. I can't think of much more terrifying than being out on that 16, 18-foot freighter, one mast, and you see the mast break, and you're in the deep part of the place praying, and you know that it's bad because water is washing in, and even the sailors are, are considering tossing you out, or they're lightening the load and all the things that have to go with it. That's bad. You get to land, and you want to get a little fire going so you can get some heat. And as you're putting a piece of wood on the fire, a snake comes out and bites you. I told the preacher, I spent about four hours yesterday. I walked over five miles yesterday. I don't know if you know it, but you live in a beautiful place. And if you've never gone to see the sinkhole or done the sinkhole trail over in Silver Springs and done uh, the Little Creek Trail and all that, Man, it's beautiful. And I walked and walked and walked until I started crying and I had to go home. <laughs> and as I'm walking, this female ranger comes around the corner and she says, Hey, you want to see this? And I didn't know what she meant. And she pulls out a five-foot snake that she's carrying around. And when I saw it, I said, No, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I mean, if you think shipwreck is frightening... How about snake bite? And it's not a little corn snake like she had. It's a viper. And the people stand around and look at you because you're headed out, brother, and they want to watch you swell up and die. Drinking poison. And I could go on and on because those aren't the only things that Paul faced. How about being outside the city of Lystra and having stones rain down on your head and they so damage you that they think you're dead and they leave you for dead and you get back up. You say, what's that all about? It's God's promise to those who will go, I will go with you and I will protect you. I don't know what these kids will face in Uganda. I've been there. I'm telling you, we slept in a bed with mosquito netting, and they sprayed the mosquito netting and said, don't get out until we get up. 
And when we got up, there were mosquitoes dead at the foot of our bed and around that, that netting. Honest to goodness, they were an inch deep. The day after we left that room, our missionary, Alan Hamilton, called me and says, well, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, I don't know. I've been in Africa. I'll believe about anything now. So we killed a black mamba in your bedroom. You say, preacher, you're talking people out of being called to the mission field right now. Really? Wouldn't you love to see how God does things like that? How God works that way? Wouldn't you love for that to be your life that God is so intricately involved in that He moves the snake and kills the skeeters and takes care of you in the midst of malaria and disease? Hey, I'm not trying to be Pentecostal. I'm not trying to handle snakes. I'm not trying to drink poison. I'm not trying to be presumptuous on God. But I'm telling you, we are safer in a mud hut in a jungle in Africa, eating monkey meat, than we are, if we're out of the will of God, sitting in suburbia in America. Because Almighty God will protect the man and woman that He sends. I think of these, uh, the Dekus, I don't know if you've noticed, they got a bunch of kids. Rachel's have a bunch of kids. Come on, you other two. Come on. You think they have fears for their children? You think they have concerns about their children? You bet they do. They're just as human as you and I. And I want you to know, God Almighty knows exactly where you are. And God knows exactly what you need. And God will protect you. And God will provide for you because His promise was, I know how to take care of snakes. I know how to take care of poison. I know how to handle shipwreck. I know how to handle natives that are dangerous. God will protect. Notice number three with me, if you would. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 24. I told you we were going to walk through the New Testament. Luke 24. Look at verse 46. Jesus speaking, said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I sinned, the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now stay with me on this. What God promises is the ability to do what He's called us to do. The, the ability to do what He's called us to do. Hey, I want you to tarry here in Jerusalem because I want you to preach the gospel to a whole world. I want you to fulfill this commission. How can we do this? I'm going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit you are going to be enabled what you could not do without my help and without the gift that it'll bring. Here in a few weeks... The Irvins 
in a few weeks, the Gilberts, the Reitzels, in a few months, they're going to have to go learn a new language. Oh, Lord, help me. Can you imagine going back to school? Can you imagine being immersed in a new language? And, and I don't know about you, but I hated English. I hated school. I'm dumber than a rock. And now, God, you have called me to go someplace where I need to learn a new language and what God says I've got it taken care of. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has the appropriate gift, the appropriate ability that you will be able to do what I've called you to do. And where it causes me to quake in fear to think about learning the Danish language and the Greenlandic language and whatever language they speak in Uganda, and I don't think I could even do well with Spanish, and I don't know what they speak in De- in, in Deku land. I think that's Fiji. <laughs> well, it is about Deku land, isn't it? I couldn't do that. I can't do that. I wouldn't, I'm, I can't do that. Hush up. You've got the Holy Spirit of God. And God's gifting will enable you to do that. How many went to BBC here? Baptist Bible. There's a bunch of us. A bunch of really good saved people in this room. Anybody remember Dr. Ron Walker? He, He may have been after all you were there. He was my homiletics teacher. When I arrived at BBC, I thought, man, I am, I'm like God's gift to the world. I, I think I'm kind of like D.L. Moody. <laughs> and I was so full of myself. I had homiletics, and in homiletics, it's teaching you how to prepare a sermon. You're really not preaching yet, but you're learning how to prepare a sermon. And as part of that class, there's one day where you give about a seven-minute sermon and just to show how you prepared your outline and all that. And, and I can remember, man, when I got that assignment, I was so pumped. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to write the greatest sermon ever written. And my first sermon for homiletics class was this, the 13 points of the high priesthood of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews to be preached in seven minutes. It was horrible. I never even got through the first two, and I didn't understand them. My homiletics teacher, I got an F. My homiletics teacher, I I did. My homiletics teacher walking down the hall later that day saw me, and he came up and he put his arm around my shoulder. He said, you know, Brother Edwards, there's a lot of ways to serve the Lord besides preaching. And it broke me. I mean, it really broke me. I thought, what am I doing here? I came out here in the power of my own flesh. I came out here thinking I had something to offer God. What am I doing here? I moved my family. We don't have a job. What am I doing here? And I want to tell you, through the next several weeks, as a very broken man, God revealed to me that it never was about what I brought to it. 
It was about what He gifted me to do. And I went through the transformation of a life because I stopped depending on my own strength and learned, started to learn to lean on Jesus. Let me say this. There are those of you who are scared to death of going soul winning because somebody has said one time, what if you get asked the question you don't know the answer to? As if none of us can say, I don't know, let me find out, I'll get back to you, and it gives you a second time to go back to the house. It's the greatest thing that could happen. But beyond that, God will gift you. God will enable you. God will give you discernment. He will give you tact because you are going where He's asked you to go. And God says, I will give you the appropriate gift that you need for where I call you to go. Here's number four. Go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, Then spake he, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 21. I knew that wouldn't make any sense. Let me get to the right chapter and then it'll make a lot of sense. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, even as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You know what his promise is? His promise is peace. He will put peace in the heart of those who will go for him. Adnarm Judson buried children and wives on the mission field. And yet he spoke of a peace that passeth understanding. Do you know when you, when you have a peace that passes understanding? When you're in a situation where only God could give you peace. I'm not saying that those never occur on the mission field, but what I am saying is, God will minister to your heart when it is so hard and so difficult and you will have a grace on your life and a peace in your heart. And the truth is that trial will draw you closer to the Lord than you can possibly imagine. I spoke for a moment about loneliness. These Folks will face so many things that they can't even comprehend at this point. They'll pour their hearts into a a work and then find out that their visa is threatened. (laughs) They'll they'll pour themselves into a work and then find out that uh, some cult has started a service over here and those that they've worked on for so many years and, and poured their life into is gone in a day. They'll, they'll, they'll be over there and they'll be barely making it financially and, and a church 
that has decided that they want to be progressive and do this during their services will drop them because, after all, they're with BIMI or they're with this group and they've got these standards and these states and, and they will see their meager income decrease and, and they will be in that place and, and where we would want to panic, God will speak peace and say, I already know it happened. I already know the answer to it. I already know the solution. I know where we're going. What an adventure when God is your help. God says when that, when that stuff happens, I'll speak peace to you. One more. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. A fifth time we see the commission. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I love that word power. And I want you to know we read power before and and we understood it as ability, the gifting that the Holy Spirit would bring. But understand this, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we're talking about influence. We're not talking about being a master of anything, being the boss of something. What God is saying, you shall receive that which will give you influence. Hey, when Mike Edwards shows up at a door, there's nothing influential in my person. But when the Holy Spirit in Mike Edwards shows up at a door, the Holy Spirit can impact, the Holy Spirit can influence where I never could. And when these young people, when these families, Brother Lance, I'm going to stop referring to them all as young people. But with his young wife, when Brother Lance goes there, you say, he's not from that culture. They don't understand this. They don't understand that. But God does. And God will give them influence with those people. And through the Spirit of God, they will speak and people will listen. God didn't know who Lydia was when he showed up in Philippi. God didn't know how you reach a European culture. He's from Antioch. They didn't know how to go to Samaria. They didn't know how to go to Asia Minor. They just went in obedience to the Lord and the Lord through the influence of His Word and the power of His Spirit gave them influence and churches were planted. People were saved. Lives were changed. And you know what? You don't have to be a preacher to go up to a door and say, do you know Christ as your Savior? You just got to take the Spirit up there with you. And you've got to let the Spirit speak through you. And the Spirit will give you influence. You may be the smallest woman in this crowd. And in the Holy Spirit, you have influence. You may not be the best speaker in this crowd. You, You may not even like to talk. But I'm telling you, when we will go in the name of the Lord, God will put influence 
in our words. God has promises for those who will go. Get in on what God is doing. God will go with them. God will protect them. God will give them the ability that they need. God will give them peace in those most difficult moments. And God will give them influence with the people that He sends them to. Pray those things for these people. And let's make this commitment in our own lives. We will go in our Jerusalem and our Judea as we send them to the uttermost parts. Would you pray with me?